know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. Amen? Amen. God's going to wipe away every tear. No death, no sorrow. I've been to enough funerals in my life. I've been to enough hospitals praying for sick people. Looking forward to that day. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you that there's coming a day. You're going to make everything right. And Lord... It's going to be beyond anything we can imagine in this life. No death, no sorrow, no divorce, no child abuse, no hospitals, no undertakers. Thank you, Lord, that you're preparing a people for that day. Lord, help us to give our lives to you fully, that we might enjoy that day when it comes and be ready to walk into it and live eternally with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I know this isn't a news flash that will surprise anyone. We live in an angry world. It doesn't take the IQ of a brain surgeon to know the world is filled with angry people. And those people are from all walks of life, all social standing, all ethnicities. Were you aware that people who don't attend church are angry? Now, before you get, look at me. (laughs) But wait a minute, because, um, yeah, that's true. But people who do attend church are angry. And this church is no exception. There are angry people here in this room today. And maybe you're one of the angry people. Don't look around, don't look around, because that person's probably not angry like you are. Sadly, the anger in people plays out every day. Down on the street level, violence, hatred, Murder, divorce, severed friendships, and I could go on and on and on, and you could add to it. And here's a personal confession. I don't make these very often, especially not in a size of a crowd this is. But I have battled with anger at various times in my life. And it's uncomfortable to stand before you and and admit that. Yes, I'm one of the three pastors of the church. And you might think, well, I don't deal with anger because I'm a pastor. But listen, school teachers get angry. Nurses get angry. Carpenters get angry. Bus drivers get angry. Blue-collar workers get angry. Office workers get angry. And yes, 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 pastors get angry. And I'm only speaking of this pastor, of the third. I'm a third. You see, I know anger can get its hooks into any of us and try to control us. Paul says this, 
And don't sin by letting anger, what's the word? Control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the the devil. Anger is one of the devil's tools that keep you and me from experiencing the kind of life that God really wants for us. When we talk about anger, there's a law of denial at work. People really don't want to admit that they have anger issues. Of all the human emotions, anger is one of the most complex and the challenging to deal with. It's complex because anger will will surface at the strangest times for the strangest reasons, and it will show itself in the strangest ways. Now, it's challenging because if not handled properly, anger can be a very dangerous and destructive emotion. You see, anger can hurt us physically. It can hurt us emotionally. It can hurt us relationally. And oh yes, it can hurt us spiritually. We should never forget that there's always been a high price tag for handling anger the wrong way. The writer of Proverbs says, if you cannot control your anger... You are as helpless as a city without walls, open to attack. The Bible tells us, and we know by experience, that people who can't control their anger have a real problem. It says here they're like an ancient city without any walls for protection. And thus, they're defenseless against any enemy attack. So what's your routine for handling your anger? Do you scream? Do you punch the pillow? Not if you have a my pillow, right? It's too precious to you. Do you kick the dog? You drive too fast? You drink too much? We all do something, whether right or wrong. Fortunately, God has a plan for taming our anger. Not for getting rid of our anger, but for taming it. You see, it isn't God's plan to eliminate our ability to get angry because, catch this, Anger isn't wrong. It all depends on what makes us angry and then what we do with our anger. When we get angry and how we express it determines if it's either good anger or bad anger, whether it's healthy anger or unhealthy anger. Anger that is managed correctly can be an asset 
and not a liability. Anger isn't something we can avoid, but it's something God tells us that we can learn to control. Again, the writer of Proverbs says this, Fools are quick to express their anger, but wise people are patient and control themselves. I never like to see the word fool and think of myself. But occasionally in the Bible, I do see that. I want to look at some different types of anger. And the first is rage, which is the short-fused, explosive type of anger. It's the the fly-off-the-handle anger that leaves everybody around you just shred to pieces. Now, some try to excuse it by saying something like this. Well, you know, I I know I get angry and, and quickly lose my temper, but it's all over in just a few moments. Now, that defense isn't comforting because a bomb explosion is also over in a few moments. But a tremendous amount of damage can take place in that time. We've all seen pictures of of terrorist bombings and the devastation it causes and the lives it destroys. Those who express rage are walking time bombs with their hair trigger tempers ready to explode. Here's good advice for them. James, the brother of Jesus, says this, Remember this. What should we do? Everyone must be, read it with me, quick to listen, but slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Another type of anger is wrath. Wrath. This is anger that wants revenge and to get even. It's the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth kind of anger. Now, this anger is what the Pharisees had toward Jesus and what they felt. They had built a whole religious system by taking God's law and attaching their own rules and regulations to it. And what Jesus taught began to tear away and tear down the Pharisee system, and they got wrathfully angry at him. Luke writes, remember, whoops, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were very angry. They began to talk to one another about what they might do to Jesus. Let's get him. Let's get even. Let's get even. The Pharisees wanted revenge. They wanted to get even with Jesus. And we know that they got what they wanted when Jesus was nailed to the cross and crucified. Resentment is another type of anger that describes the anger that that stems from some grievance 
Resentment anger doesn't blow up like rage, but it kind of clams up. Resentment anger can produce self-pity in a person, and that eventually, over time, turns into bitterness. Resentment anger is what the older brother felt toward his younger brother and father. In the story Jesus told in Luke chapter 15, the older son had been the the good son, the faithful and dependable son. And in his mind, his younger brother was the scoundrel, the unfaithful son. Oh, how dare him what he did to my father. Now the younger brother was back after his wild adventure away from home, and his father was celebrating his return with a big party in his honor. And the older son was overcome with resentment, anger. He resented his brother. He resented the celebration, the party. He resented his father for the way he welcomed the younger son home. How dare he? In telling the story of the younger son, known as the prodigal son, Jesus said this about the older brother. He said the older brother was so angry that he would not go into the house. So his father came out and begged him, to come in. If you go on and read the whole story, and I encourage you to do so, we never get any indication that the older brother ever sought to restore the relationship with his younger brother or his father. Resentment, anger is so dangerous because it damages and destroys relationships with people. Another type of anger is indignation. This anger kind of builds and rises up in a person as a result of of seeing someone or something being mistreated or taken advantage of or abused. Put the screens on hold one second. My wife and I watch TV occasionally as we eat at the uh, kitchen table. And we're big fans of Gunsmoke. Any Gunsmoke fans? And I don't know if Gunsmoke caters to a certain age group or what, but they, when, we have it on DVR, and when they always show these poor little dogs, you know, in the cold, and man, when I see that, I just want to go out and... Pop the person who did that. Indignation, anger. It's the anger that's aimed at a problem and not necessarily a person. I want to set those dogs free. I want to give money to 4As and and rescue strays in St. Louis. I want to do something. This anger is for the right reason, which is expressed 
in the right way. See, there can be good anger. It's the kind of anger that Jesus displayed. Jesus became angry on occasion. Not always, but on occasion. And I'm so glad that that God didn't write that out of the script. But it was always the indignation type of anger. In Mark chapter 3, it reveals the kind of thing that, that triggered the indignation anger of Jesus. It tells us Jesus was angry. Here again, that group of guys known as the Pharisees because of their attitude toward a man who needed to be healed. But the Pharisees wouldn't allow his healing because it was the Sabbath day. It was like our Sunday. Don't come up here to get healed. It's Sunday. The Pharisees believed that keeping their traditions was much more important than meeting the needs of another human being, especially on the day of worship. Jesus expressed his indignation anger at what was happening by correcting not only a spiritual problem, but a physical problem by healing the man's hand. Mark chapter 3, verse 5 says, He, Jesus, looked around at them, what's the word? Angrily, and he was deeply saddened by their hearts, their pitifully hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was, what's the word? He healed it. I personally believe, and here again, this is my personal belief, that American followers of Christ need to have more indignation, anger over the injustices and mistreatment of people in this world. When was the last time that we had indignation, anger over the killing of 62 million plus preborn children through abortion since Roe versus Wade in 1973? When was the last time we had indignation, anger over the sexual exploitation of children and women? around the world. When was the last time we had indignation, anger, over the fact that nearly one million people die each year because of their lack of safe water and proper sanitation? Again, this is my belief. But followers of Christ should have more indignation, anger about these and other things that literally break the heart of God. I once heard this. The person who can't feel anger at evil is a person who lacks enthusiasm 
for good. Now I want to repeat that. All these things I talked about, those are evil things. And there are many more out there in the world. The person who can't feel anger at evil is a person who lacks enthusiasm for good. Any anger that tries to fill us with rage or wrath or resentment must be challenged, for that is destructive anger. But anger that comes as a result of righteous indignation, that's constructive anger that God does not condemn. Psychologists tell us that people handle anger in one of three ways. It's either repress it, suppress it, or express it. Repression is a form of denial. As I said, there's a problem because people deny that they're angry. If I deny that I'm angry and and I repress the emotion, I think I won't have to deal with it. It's just going to go away. La, 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 la. Anger isn't an emotion that can be dealt with by simply trying to forget it or deny it. If that anger energy is not brought out into the open and taken care of in a safe way, it will be directed through other channels. And usually for most of us, It's the physical body that feels the effects of repressed anger through things such as high blood pressure, ulcers, heart disease. Now, some people, they suppress anger. They don't deny they're angry, but for one reason or the other, they they choose to to suppress it and and simply hold it inside of them. And by doing this, they think they are neutralizing their feelings of anger. But in reality, they're letting it simmer in the back burner of their mind, just like a pressure cooker. Did your mother ever have a pressure cooker? And eventually, that anger must be released from a person's emotional system, or it's going to blow like a volcano. Suppressed anger is usually released on an unsuspecting person who probably, go figure, is a member of our family. So I I thought of a little scenario that how this might be illustrated. So an employer one Friday calls in one of the workers, one of his employees. There's been a little problem, and he calls him into his office. And he confronts him over some work-related problem. The employee feels the employer is wrong, of course. Anger builds in him. But since he's afraid of not being able to pay his mortgage and pay the car payment and 
lose his job, he suppresses the anger and he stuffs it down and he swallows hard. He stuffs it until he goes home. His wife, who's unaware of what has happened at work, she greets him with a smile and some kind words and and maybe a, a wonderful kiss. But the man is still angry. He snarls at her, turns away. Now the wife has two options open to her. She can back, or she can suppress her feelings and stuff them down. And in this case, she decides to suppress her feelings until her teenage son comes home from basketball practice. Hmm. Then she unloads her stuffed anger on her wonderful teenage son by yelling about his smelly gym bag. The teenage son gets angry, but he smells what's in the kitchen, so he stuffs it down. Until later when he unloads on his younger brother, who unloads on his little sister, who unloads on her doll and yanks the head off the doll. The poor doll has nowhere else to go to. No recourse for the doll. Maybe you're one of the people who don't repress or suppress, but express their anger. If so, you've got to be careful that it's done in the right way. That means your anger is under control and it's constructive anger and not destructive anger. In expressing your anger, there is the potential that you're not likely to think things through in a rational way. Been there, done that. And this is why most people don't do a very good job of expressing their anger. Proverbs 29:22 read it with me, an angry person causes trouble. A person with a quick temper sins a lot. So what do we do? Let's turn our attention to a plan of action for the anger in our lives. Number one, own it, don't deny it. Own it, don't deny it. When anger comes knocking at your door, you need to own up to it and don't deny it. Why would I include this in the list? That seems so obvious. Because this is why There are a lot of Christians who say, I don't get angry anymore because I'm a Christian. You know what they call Christians who don't get angry? They're called dead Christians. They're called dead Christians because everybody who's alive, Christian and non-Christian, gets angry at some time or another. Can I hear an amen? 
So just own it and don't deny it. The second step, after you've owned it, after you've chosen not to deny it, is to delay your response by controlling your own spirit. You can't control my spirit. I can't control your spirit. We're responsible for controlling our own spirit. You remember the verse earlier in James where it says, be slow to anger. The Bible says that we are responsible to be slow to anger. With God's help, and I emphasize with God's help, we can control our spirit and our anger. If we couldn't, it wouldn't have been written by James. Some of you, you come here on Sunday morning, you're very faithful to attend church on Sunday morning. And your spirit, the real you, is ministered to by, by the, and blessed by God through the music of our great worship band and, and Pastor Damon's teaching and the fellowship you have. And although I know it's restricted now, but, but we still have some fellowship. And then after the service, you get in your car and you get out on seminary. And it's speed racer time. And you get down, and, and some of you get off to go to Jerseyville or Godfrey. You get off on I-255, or you go to Bethalda or Wood River, the other way, I-255. And, whoo! And you lose it with the other drivers. And I know they haven't been in church, and so they should be angry, shouldn't they? Or you get to your local favorite restaurant. And you lose it with the waitress because you can't control your own spirit. I drive 30 miles every way from Fairview Heights to to this church property. And I've already confessed enough this morning. Just let me say, I know some of the driving on 255. Anger wants you to lose it and let it fly and never worry about controlling your own spirit. Someone once said this, people who fly into a rage seldom make a good landing. God says we're to delay our response. We're to be slow to anger-producing situations and circumstances by learning to control our spirit. Just put the brakes on. Number three, define why you're angry. Own it, don't deny it, control your spirit, and then try to define why you're angry. A lot of times we don't even... Define why we're angry. We make somebody else to be the bad guy. We haven't processed why we're angry. So we blame other people. Whether it's our wife, our co-workers, the guy driving beside us. And is it really that poor service at the restaurant? 
Is it really that driver weaving in and out of the traffic that, that's making you angry? Or is it, and you fill in the blank? We need to define why we're angry. And if we can't, we need to ask someone we love and trust to help us define it. Maybe you need to go to counseling. When we realize why we're angry, it gives us a better perspective on how to get a handle on controlling the anger in our lives. And last, number four, forgive as God has forgiven you. Now, I want to remind you, this isn't just something that I thought up on my own so I could have four here instead of three. This is straight from God's book. Jesus said this. He said, if you forgive others for the wrongs they do to you, what's going to happen? Your Father in heaven will forgive you. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's a pretty good deal there. If we forgive those people who have made us angry, those people who, who have hurt us, screen please, Green, please. He's testing me. Another screen, please. There we go. I don't have this memorized. We forgive those people who've made us angry. They've done bad things to us. They've sinned against us. Then we get the blessing of being forgiven for all the bad things we've done and the sins that we've committed. As I said, I think that's a good deal. But there's another verse that goes with this one. If you don't forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Oh, Why does God have to put stuff like that in there? That's why some of you don't read the Bible, isn't it? Because this kind of stuff. If we don't forgive those who've made us angry, those who've sinned against us, and there are plenty of them out there, we're not going to receive God's forgiveness. It's a spiritual law my brothers and sisters, if you want to receive God's forgiveness, you have got to forgive others. Got one more verse to look at. And in this last verse, you should know that James, again, the brother of Jesus, he didn't write and have in mind indignation, anger that we spoke about. But he had the other three, rage, wrath, and resentment. And this is what he wrote, and I want you to read it with me. Anger does not help you live the way God wants. Now we're going to read it again, but when it comes to you, you're going to put your name in there, okay? Just your first name. I'm going to put mine in. Anger 
does not help David live the way God wants. I did, am I the only one to put my name in there? Come on, now, that's not fair. You're making me angry. <laughs> Try it again. You know your name, don't you? Okay. Anger does not help David live the way God wants. Very good. God has a way that he wants us to live our lives. And I hope that's not some new revelation to you. And I believe one piece of that is to live in a way where we are turning and taming anger and it no longer controls us. He wants us to live like his son Jesus Christ and and choose to do what is right regardless of our feelings and our emotions and what they want us to do and regardless of what others try and push us to do. The issue of anger, which is a worldwide phenomenon, and probably never more prevalent than what we have today in 2021. It's only going to get more difficult to deal with if we don't make a decision to deal with it now, today. And there's a good reason for this, and this little analogy might help. Anger is like food leftovers on a plate. If you deal with them right away, you know, they're soft and and easy to remove. You can just rinse the plate and the food leftovers fall off into the garbage disposal. But if you wait an hour or till next morning, the food has this mysterious way of turning hard. And you have to scrape and you have to exert some effort because it's stuck on the plate. Maybe that's why we call unresolved anger hard feelings. You see, anger turns hard very quickly. And that gives the devil a foothold that we talked about earlier in a verse, and an opportunity to use anger to sabotage a marriage. To use anger to sabotage a friendship. To use anger to sabotage a church. There are people everywhere who didn't clean up their anger when it first appeared, when it was small and it was relatively soft in their heart. You see, there's nothing to gain in waiting to bring your anger to God because the longer you wait, the harder it gets. So may the Lord help you and me and me learn to get control of our anger starting today, February 28, 2021. Let's own it. 
and not deny our anger. Let's ask God to help us control our own spirit. Let's work hard to define why we're angry. And then let's learn to forgive. You can call my wife this afternoon and ask her how I've struggled with this next part of how to close this message. Because I think that God wants me to do a certain thing. And I'm going to go with what God wants. If you're like me and and you can be honest and not afraid just to acknowledge it, not ashamed to acknowledge it. I would like to pray for you today and include myself in the prayer that you're saying before God that you have anger issues, not 24-7, not 168 hours of the, the week, but anger issues that arise I'd like you to stand because it's not going to get any easier if we wait till tomorrow. Lord God, I thank you that you are the one who helps us deal with every problem and need in our life. And Lord, many of us And all of us who are standing are willing to admit and say that on occasion we struggle with anger issues. And Lord, we've read some wonderful scriptures this morning and we stand knowing that our loving Heavenly Father wants to give us the best life possible and anger issues and problems diminish that best life for us. And so we're owning it, Lord. We're not denying it. And we come to you and we we ask for your help. Help us to control our own spirits. Help us to forgive people who have hurt us and wronged us and who will do that this week. And Lord, set us free from the control of anger that Satan wants to bind us with. We don't want him to have any foothold and any more territory on our life. And we come against him in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, thank you so much for these that are my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ. We are honest and transparent and open before you. And we say, come, Holy Spirit, do what you want to do in our hearts and lives starting now. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen. Remain standing. Next week we start a new series called Anxiousless. You're going to be looking forward to to hearing Pastor Damon start that sermon series. So God be with you. Bless you. Watch over you. And... uh, Take it easy out there on Seminary Road, okay? God bless you.